What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. This is a podcast from Minute Media. This is a CW Spiral, a podcast run by two barchies and a bughead. We're your hosts, Sabrina Reed, Michael Patterson, and Reed Gowden. Bringing you history about the network, the latest news, and in-depth spoiler-filled discussions of some of our favorite shows on the CW. Okay, welcome to a special episode of the CW Spiral, though we do have to say that our co-host, Reed, is not here with us today. He'll be back next pod, but we are going to miss him. Yes, he's with us in spirit. Exactly, exactly. Cannot wait for the excited messages in the group chat. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Though, so lately our group chat has been in like excitement and mourning. We'll start with exciting news. And that is that Gotham Knights started filming on April 11th. Like it's not here, but I cannot wait until the behind the scenes images start popping up all over um, Twitter. It feels real now, doesn't it? We spent so many weeks talking about how it's coming to fruition and how it's, it's a little, that little bit closer. And I feel like every week we had new casting news to announce for it. And that's ended for now because the pilot's finally underway. Uh, I can't wait, like you said, to see what, what the product looks like, set photos, and uh, press releases, anything, just to give us a teaser of what kind of like look or aesthetic they're going for because it feels so much more realistic now that it's finally underway. With upfront soon, we may hear more about it, but we all have our fingers crossed that it's finally happening. So I hope that this is just the beginning for Gotham Knights. I hope so too. And since like it started rolling, I'm like, okay, can we sort of guess what the aesthetic is gonna be based on like the team behind the project? Because I know um Chad Fiveash and James Stottero are the executive producers um, of the show and they work on Batwoman. And so does the story editor Natalie Abrams. Um, so it's like it's got the Batwoman team. Um, Five Ash and Stotorax also worked as writers on Vampire Diaries and on Gotham. Um, and Abrams worked on Supergirl and All American as well. So we're keeping it in the CW family, which is very exciting. Definitely. It's the whole like uh, DC meets CW dream team again. They, these people know how to make these kind of shows. Uh, look, just look at that list there. They're, they've all been incredibly successful on, on those kinds of shows. And then, of course, Gotham as well, which knows which everyone knows about as far as how, in terms of how to tell a Gotham City best story. Batwoman's doing the same. Supergirl, All-American, Vampire Diaries hits for the CW without a doubt. That is a team I would like making a TV show on the CW for me. So I have high hopes for Gotham Knights. We've said it before. They know how to make this kind of genre. And another Batman-based show brought about by these people sounds very, very enticing to me. Yes, I'm expecting campiness and fun, but also enough grit and darkness. Because, uh, you know, they're angsty young adults and like young Robin is probably going to be written her 15, 15 or 16. So I'm expecting some quips, some very funny, funny moments. Definitely. And that's what excites me the most about this. We've done so many superhero shows. We've said they know how to make these kinds of programs, but 
this one has an interesting kind of approach and that it has that kind of like what the CW used to be and like the teenage characters at the forefront of it. And CW used to do that so well. We don't see as much of it these days. So would like to like merge that teen genre the campy element that we maybe see in the likes of Riverdale, although please do not go that far as, uh, with the, with the heroics of the superhero shows that could be a like match made in heaven or in Gotham city, second match made in hell. We'll see how it goes, <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it because everything we've learned about it so far is very promising. Yes. Yes. What's not so promising though, um, is the flash. Um, we're going to, we're not doing a review this this episode of of um of our pod, but as y'all know, The Flash season eight has been a little mixed for us. And with the news of Jesse L. Martin not being a series regular in season nine of the show, I'm preparing to be continue to be mixed as as we go forward. Not that I'm not happy for him because he's going to be the lead of the NBC pilot, The Irrational, who play Alec Baker, who's a renowned behavioral science professor who consults on cases, but gets thrown for a loop when he meets his match, a female domestic terror suspect. Like that's exciting for him. So excited about that. Not excited to not see Joe as much on the flash. Yeah. I I it... On one hand, I didn't see it coming because he's been such a regular part of the show. You'd think a show like that would want to hold on to their veterans considering they've only four, three now left. But on the other hand, from a story standpoint, we could absolutely see it coming because even though Joe's been a regular for the last six or seven seasons, it's only the last three or four that haven't really made use of him that much. He's saved for when Barry's at his tipping point and needs someone to pep talk him in the right direction. And he comes in and delivers one of those Emmy worthy speeches. But aside from that, there isn't much going on with Joe and the show isn't using him well. In fact, probably their best use of him in the last three or four years was the Armageddon story where he was killed off off screen and Barry had to figure out how to bring him back to life. So that was a good use of Joe because he was left out and we noticed it. Whereas it seems like most of the shows run, he's now being left out and we're not supposed to notice it. So I can understand why they're moving in that direction. But it's such a shame because it didn't have to be that way. I feel there was always place for Joe in the show. He is the heart of it. In one scene, he can, and he like, believe me, he's only been in a lot of one scenes, but in one scene, he can steal the episode away from someone else who's when the episode's focused on someone else. That's how powerful an actor Jesse is. So I don't want to imagine the flash of Adam. The show has not made it easy for us because it's made it. it, it we, we know what it's like with Adam now because he hasn't shown up an awful lot. But that doesn't mean I want to imagine a flash without him showing up at all. The good news is that he will be back in a hopefully in a recurring basis and might appear in up to five episodes of season nine. Hopefully that means he'll be used properly in that episode. So maybe there's the silver lining. We'll get more Joe in those five episodes than we got in the previous full seasons. But yeah particularly because last night's or this week's episode of The Flash struck some season one chords. I don't want to imagine a Flash that feels less and less like season one and taking Joe West out of it will make it feel less and less like season one. Yeah, because currently, like you said, he's in for like one important conversation with Barry, uh, which isn't necessarily a problem until that keeps happening episode mm-hmm. after episode after episode. It does feel like Cecile is taking that role um, in Mary's life, and I'm not that jazzed about it. Um, not because the actress isn't good at what she does, she is, but that it's it just feels like that should be Joe's role in, in Barry's life, that he should be more involved um, in the goings-on, especially um, when you think of like Iris's time sickness and that man, for whatever reason, is 
calm. <laughs> like, <laughs> totally absent. <laughs> yeah, he's like, it happens. Like, how does it happen? Time sickness is not is not a regular occurring thing, but okay. I feel like you should be a little bit more, if not out of your mind about your daughter's health, then questioning things. But anyway, that'll end up on a rant. So I will backtrack <laughs> that conversation. I definitely gonna miss Jesse L. Martin on the flash. If they if he does up to five episodes, I would prefer it to be an arc and mm. not for him to like appear at the dinner table or appear at a special occasion for, uh, for him to actually involve as much as he can be in the storyline. <clears throat> Excuse me. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it because I totally agree with that. That, that Armageddon, he was only in one of the five episodes because the character had been killed off. But uh, that was a great use of the Joe character as, as a device to move the plot forward rather than just bringing him in for a dinner conversation or a, I love my family pep talk because even though that's Joe's bread and butter, the show relies on that too much. So if we could get something similar to Armageddon, only have him on screen this time, that would be a much better use of the character because Joe has so much to give and the show has not exploited that in the last couple of seasons. And hopefully now when they're pushed into a corner that they only have him for a limited amount of time, maybe they'll finally exploit it to, 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 to the extent that both the character and the actor deserves. Hopefully, Joe. Fingers crossed. Um, but with his exit as a series regular, it does have me wondering about just the future of the Arabs in general, which is what this pod episode is about. Michael and I are going to nerd out about the <laughs> Arabs and whether, dead. yes, and whether or not it's coming to an end and if it matters that it's ending. I mean, so the flash, right? I would say at the flash is on its last leg. Like we're, we're stumbling towards the finish line. I know a lot of us want a season 10. That may not be in our future, um, but I'm like worried about the actual future of the Arrowverse as the Flash has its last hurrah. I guess I'll, I'll say that. There are a lot of factors in play in this conversation. I feel like the Jesse L. Martin news kind of worked in our favor for this conversation. I didn't want it to come out, certainly, but uh, it definitely pushes towards the the con argument for the Flash and that it suggests that either A, it's on its way out, or B, to use a Dark Knight quote, you live long enough to see yourself become the villain, that the Flash is getting less and less like it was the longer it goes on. And now that we know this upcoming, heavily talked about season nine, is now not going to feature one of the original characters, which again leaves, of course, Grant Gustin's Barry Allen. And we now have reports that both Candace Patton and Danielle Panabaker are in the process of negotiating their contract for season nine. So that suggests that we will have those, that core trinity will be back. So that's good. But the sad thing is that it means that more original characters won't be part of the show as it goes on. So yes, it definitely feels like the show was on its last leg. How much longer can it go on for? Will it continue to lose people? I know Grant keeps renegotiating his contract for one season. And now this report suggests that Danielle and Candace are doing the exact same thing. So how long will those characters stick around for? Will it be like next season, will we lose both Caitlin and Killer Frost? The season after that, will we lose Iris? Will it just be Barry with a completely unoriginal or a completely original cast of, of, from, of no familiar faces from the first season left? Do we, do we want to see that? Do we need to see that? It sounds you know, dark. Exactly. We don't it sounds bleak. That. 
This is not like like or Arrow where they, they lost the Felicity character, so they decided to tell a more condensed story that worked with that, that brought that actually focused on the original characters like David Ramsey's John Degga or well Kitty Cassidy's other version of Laurel Lance. It wasn't the original Laurel, but they were still that was the, the core trinity that Arrow started with. So it was only fitting that it got to buy back with them. But I feel like the Flash could end up doing the opposite route in that it literally buy back with no familiar faces left. But we don't we don't want to see that. We love these characters and we, we, we want we want them to stick around. So, yeah, it does feel like the Flash is, well, we know the Flash's best days are behind it, but it feels like the Flash's amount of days are, uh, there are more behind it than there are ahead of it. But does that mean that it'll go on for a little while longer? Eric Wallace, the showrunner, has suggested that he thinks it could have another few seasons left in it. And I mean, with the right story, it could, but with the right, with the wrong cast, it doesn't. So, it does feel like it won't go past season 10, but I feel like ever since the news came out this week about Jesse L. Martin and that report about the Flash's days starting to wind down, it might only make season nine. It might not make it to the season 10 finish line that we were hoping it would. I don't know. I'm in two minds about it. Do you think it should? Do you think it shouldn't? I used to, prior to this season dropping, I was like, it should go to season 10. It should be the Lone Arrowverse show that is allowed to go um, to that to that season number because I feel like we're in a different era of television. Um, so we won't, outside of procedurals, the likelihood of other shows getting to a season 10 is just not viable anymore in this TV climate. And then um, the, I was fine. I liked Armageddon. I liked the mid-season premiere. Well, I called the mid-season premiere, the mid-season premiere. And it deteriorated from there. And I was like, wow. Okay, so if this doesn't pick back up as we get through the rest of season eight, I'm kind of scared for what season nine might even be, only because it does seem like the writing is going more towards the original characters that have become a part of Team Flash. And that's not necessarily, I do want to learn more about them, but not at the detriment of the characters that we've known for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so I think season nine, like if this is the way it's going to continue to go, season nine needs to be the last season. They're going to start losing viewers left, right, and center. Um, if Especially if uh, Candace Patton is bumped down and more episode counts because she's missing four this season. So if she's like missing a lot in season nine, uh, yikes. Because uh, mm-hmm. uh, both Grant and Candace are big draws for the shows themselves, uh, so yeah, I'm not I'm not team season ten anymore, at least currently, based on what we've seen in season eight. Yeah, and I'm getting to the stage where I would like maybe them to do if they could do a season nine and season ten as maybe like event seasons and have them both shortened and make them Armageddon like so like go all out to let the show buy out properly. I would like that because let's be honest, I don't see the show ending without one final showdown between Barry and the Reverse Flash. And now that Tom has finally departed the show because of they keep they kept repopulating his characters over the years. Uh, and then they had that face off with the reverse flash and Armageddon. It feels like the show has kind of pulled on every thread it possibly could. And now all that's left is this kind of unusually cheesy 70s like TV procedural that we're left with. And yet, if it wants to, it could go on for years, but the heart is no longer there. So I would like them to bring its heart back for one final arc related to the main characters. So if it goes on longer without we have to say the three original character, uh, three original actors now, because unfortunately Jesse's no longer a full-time part of the show. But like, for example, 
that's still four main characters. For example, if, if, if Candace left, then you're, you're left with that deleting lady. Nobody wants to be in that place. That's a horrible idea. But uh, at the same time, if Danielle leaves, you're automatically down two characters because that means Caitlin and Killer Frost is gone as well. And then you're left with more original characters. I say original, I mean newer characters. That's not good either. Of course, the original uh, thesis is that the Flash can live on as long as it's just telling the Flash's story. But I feel like what we've got to know about the Flash is such a family-driven show over the years is that if it starts to go on without that family, what is even the point? So if it can do season 10, but keep the characters around and bring back some more original characters and start telling the stories that are important, I'd be okay with it as long as it's a short one. But at the at, at this current stage, if it's going to keep going in the direction it could, I can also understand why a shortened night season would be the best place to buy out before it becomes completely unrecognizable. Yeah, I think this is a question that we're going to need to revisit um, after season eight concludes. Because I could we could be just in a very bad spot in the middle of the season eight storyline. And then by the time we get more towards the end, it really picks up. That is what I'm hoping. We shall see. My other concern, though, is that Batwoman and Legends of Tomorrow still hasn't been renewed. They still haven't been renewed. Um, and then there's the how much life does Stargirl have left in it? Like the OG Arrowverse is making its way into like senior seasons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like we're getting really old now. Um, and then uh, without Batwoman and Legends uh, being renewed, it puts into question what CW's plan is for the future. Are we taking the Arrowverse like off air in the next two to three years. And what does that mean for the face of DCTV on the network? It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I've always referred to Batwoman and Legends as the Arrow versus Little shows that could. They were never given the leading material that the rest, some of the other shows were. Batwoman wasn't its first season, but after that, after they kind of like, after the COVID break and everything and the recast and brought Javicia Leslie in, even though the show has gotten better, it doesn't feel like it's been given the same kind of promotional respect that the first season was. And that's a shame because the show was much better now than it was in its first season. And then on the other hand, Legends of Tomorrow was never portrayed as that leader of the Arrowverse in the way that the Green Arrow, the Flash and Supergirl were. So, but on the other end of the argument, this highlights how important supporting shows are because they felt like while the rest of the shows are off trying to lead the universe, they were just casually there working away, doing their own thing, bringing in their own core audiences. If you look on, of course, the ratings are lower than some of the other bigger shows that were in their head. But if you look on Twitter, on social media, those shows have arguably every bit as big a fan base as some of the leading shows did, or they have not been alienated in the way that some of the bigger shows alienated their fan bases. So some of the, some of those original legendary shows don't have as strong a fan bases now, whereas the likes of Legends and Batwoman, their fan bases have been there all along. And dare I say that they're growing as they're getting more vocal and want new seasons for their shows. So those shows to me, it's weird no one would ever have called them the glue that held the Arrowverse together when all of the shows were on. But now that we've lost Supergirl, Arrow, Black Lightning, and we're starting to question the future of The Flash, and uh, we're starting to question the future of the OG Arrowverse, those shows to me are more important than ever now because, yes, Legends is getting up there in years. It, if it's renewed for an eighth season, it will automatically tie Arrow and currently, The Flash is the longest running Arrowverse show. Of course, The Flash will then eclipse that next season when it, when it does in season nine. But so, yes, they have length behind them. They're veterans. And, and maybe that suggests that 
it's starting at the end is nigh for legends in particular. But I can't imagine the Arrowverse without those shows because while The Flash has kind of become its own corny, cheesy 70s procedural, Legends and Batwoman still reek of that OG Arrowverse era. And I feel like that's more important than ever now as the network starts to change up what it looks like and change up what the Arrowverse looks like. So I think it would be a mistake to get rid of them because that would kill the Arrowverse more so than The Flash going off the air because you'd have no Arrowverse without all these supporting characters, without those supporting shows that have been quietly working away under the radar. Let the big ones do what they do at lead. But sometimes it's, it's, it's always the shows behind the curtain that they're doing the real work and like Legends and Batwoman have been such imperative and uh, enjoyable uh, aspects of the universe to just cut them out without even giving them a chance to buy that in the same season while we're talking about ending the flash as well. It, that would be totally unjustified in my opinion and no shows deserve better than that. And then Stargirl, for example, we'll now we'll move the conversation into the whole, what does the new era of the Arrowverse look like? You have, Stargirl, Naomi, and Superman at Lois. We've talked about Superman at Lois endlessly. It is clearly being primed as the new leader of the Arrowverse to take over after The Flash, and it does it oh so well. It's the most watched show on average on the network. It is probably the buzziest superhero show on television that doesn't have years of a fan mess behind it. And it's just so darn good. Also with Superman, so you can't go wrong with that. Stargirl, on the other hand, has been a really popular DC Universe show, which transitioned into a really popular CW show. It's totally at home, but it's on the CW, but it's always been treated like its own isolated kind of thing. My concern with it is that because it's a, I always described it as kind of like my Disney Channel superhero show in that, don't get me wrong, the writing's great. In season two, the writing was really, really dark, but it's very joyous. It's very light. It's very friendly. It's very Disney. And the first trailer for that definitely highlighted that. So it's great, but as a lot of Disney Channel stuff can't go on that long because the characters eventually have to graduate high school. And this could be the same issue with Stargirl in that it's very much a teen drama. It's very much set in a small town. It's very Blue Valley, which is where it's at, is as much of a character as the heroes in it. And that's what separates it from the other shows because it's very much a small town drama. And that's why it's lovely. It's, it's, such a, it's such a classic nostalgic feel about it. But if the characters graduate, if the characters leave high school, if some of them start going off to other places, it loses that nostalgic golden age, 50s, 50s era kind of feel. So I don't know if Stargirl has a long shelf life simply because of the story it's trying to tell. Let it go out when it's on a high. We could see it go on for another three or four years at max. But I don't think that'll be enough for it to become the next supporting show of the Arrowverse, if that makes sense. In the way the Batwoman at Legends had these procedural things that allowed them to go on endlessly. So I hope the CW capitalizes on that and allows them to go on endlessly for a little bit longer. I feel like the two halves of of the, I'm going to say DC TV on the CW, because I feel like Superman and Lois, it's an Arrowverse show in, (laughs) in name. It doesn't really feel like it is um, because it is not connected. I know that Todd Helbing said that we're going to get some answers about Supergirl and the Flash come the end of season two. But if we're to think about OG Arrowverse and we're to think about Superman and Lois, we're having two different conversations, not only in um, tone, but aesthetic. Like the, the Flash Batwoman legends of tomorrow, they're all very light, snarky, campy, like, um, 
and with heart and with storylines about family and romance and what it means to be a hero. But they're the Technicolor Crayola side of DC TV on the CW, while the new shows like Superman and Lois, Stargirl, Naomi, um, Gotham Knights, perhaps, uh, they're all... It's not prestige television, but the, it, I definitely feel like it's a, it's got a whole other vibe to it. And some of that is budget. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but also I just, the tones are just, they're just different. The aesthetics are different. The, the storylines that they tell sort of are ones that we haven't seen on the CW before. And so I, I feel like we're turning the lights off on what the Arrowverse used to be. And perhaps even just turning lights off on Airbus in general. And it's just going to be DCTV on CW and they may interconnect and they may not, they might not want to hold themselves to having an interconnected universe anymore, even though those crossover events did do really, really well um, for fan bases, at least more so back in the day. It, when COVID hit, of course, it became really difficult to try to do anything like that again. But I am... I feel like we're heading towards a new era and then part of me is okay with that. Part of me is like, what do you lose? I know you and I have discussed before how much fans make up the content um, of like the push for these shows to be big. And um, a lot of the times media is uh, reacting to the way that fans are either loving a season, hating a season, loving a character, hating a character, but Superman and Lois doesn't have the loudest fan base of any of the Arrowverse shows that are on the CW. Not that people don't enjoy the show. Um, I would compare it to Yellowstone in terms of it not not necessarily being a sleeper hit, but a hit that doesn't have a fan base that is fighting with one another online um, or really discussing the show very heavily. Obviously, Clark is going to get discussed. That's what people do. I mean, it's Superman. We've been discussing him for decades. But the show as a whole, I just don't feel like it has that there's a toxicity to fandom, so I'm glad it doesn't have that, but like it doesn't have that sort of urgent fervor that you see from the fandoms of The Flash or in this uh, with Batman, Batwoman and Legends of Tomorrow with their big push for new rules. I just don't know what it means for the, for the era versus future if we aren't having giant fan bases like duking it out on Twitter or explaining their opinions on Twitter um, as we move away from these OG shows. Yeah, it's quite conflicting for me because uh, the best way I can describe Arrowverse fans back in the prime, I would know, I was one of them, is uh, kind of like MCU stands on Twitter now. The Marvel fans are everywhere. And to be able to hold on to that fan base for, we're going on 13 years now, it's just, we're going on 14 years now, it's just insane. And that's the old high, whole idea of movies. They come and they go in the like they're a flash in the pan, but they remain there forever. Whereas when TV series are on all year round, eventually that audience will get diluted. It happens with even the most watched TV shows. Occasionally, there's a, a, a an exception, but things that are on TV full time all year round, like any kind of procedural show, the ratings will fall on a yearly basis. And that is what is happening. And it feels like it's gotten really emphatic in recent years because now that The Flash has fallen below 1 million nightly viewers, that feels like that's the end of that era. Of course, The Flash fans are still vocal. The Legends fans are still vocal. The Batwoman fans are still vocal. And even with Supergirl off, the Supergirl fans are still vocal. 
I feel like the reason Superman at Lois never caught on with that fandom is for two reasons. One, it could should have happened so much earlier. We've been calling for a Tyler Hecklin and Elizabeth Tollick-led Superman at Lois series on the CW for many years now. And two, that wasn't the kind of show that fan base was anticipating. This is kind of graduated out of procedural nature superhero television. The interesting thing with the Arrowverse is we would not be in this beautiful era of superhero television if it was not for that. They brought superheroes back to TV in the same way that Batman 1966 did in 1966, the same way that Wonder Woman did in the 70s. We haven't really had that successful period of superheroes on TV until now, and it's because of the Arrowverse. However, it's given other places like Marvel, like Amazon, ideas to try it out themselves, and they've taken it to the next level with that maturity in storytelling. And somewhere along the line, DC said, let's try that too. So that's what we're seeing in this new class of Arrowverse and DC TV shows. Superman at Lois has graduated to that next level storytelling that you see on streaming shows. Stargirl did the same thing, which makes sense since it started as a streaming show. Naomi is doing the same thing. So much so that a lot of the CW fans aren't gelling with it because it's too slow moving for them. So they're trying to do this. DC's trying to have their cake and eat it and that they're keeping the original shows around though for how much longer, and they're using that universe to kickstart a new era with more dramatic, serious, and less episodic shows like Superman at Lois. So I think because people are watching television less and because the CW gets less eyeballs in general, that means people are watching the CW less. The reason Superman at Lois never really caught on with those fans is because of A, it's maturity, B, it came too late, and say the Arrowverse fan base is not as strong as it used to be. Whereas if, if if Superman at Lois was more in the vein of a triumphant traditional superhero series like Supergirl, like those characters were when they were on Supergirl and it had debuted four or five years ago, I do think we would have had that kind of vocal fan base that we do. But it's a more mature show, which I'm very happy about. It's incredible. But at the same time, it hasn't appealed to that loud Twitter fan base in the same way that those shows did. And I think that's just down to the fact that it didn't debut in 2015. It didn't debut in 2017 when these shows were in their prime. That universe is heyday, has come and gone. And while there'll always be a place for it, its fans are not as there for it as they were in the beginning. Maybe that's why people were reluctant to start Superman at Lois when it came out, but why it feels like it's quietly catching on as the years go on. You can constantly see the tweets, oh, Superman at Lois is so good, I didn't realise that. And it's because it's not on for as long, although the CW tries to keep it on for long with all these breaks, but it hasn't caught on in the same way because it it wasn't quite the phenomenon that the other shows were. I do think if Superman at Lois maybe premiered on a worldwide streaming service at the same time, it would be one of the biggest shows in the world. But it's hard to get the CW stuff out internationally unless they have that Netflix deal in place for the show, which Superman at Lois doesn't have. So I do think there are a number of factors in why it hasn't reach that same level of fan of fans that the, the other shows did. But the main one is timing. It's just what didn't come out in the prime of the Arrowverse in the, in the way that Arrow, Flash and Supergirl did. It just it didn't. And like, don't let that convince anyone into thinking that the show is a flop because I've seen people say that. They want to believe that. It's far from a flop. It's the most watched show on the CW. It's incredibly popular. And it has this kind of critical claim that no other Arrowverse show does. It's incredibly successful and it's reeling in people who don't watch Arrowverse shows. The fact is, less people watch TV on the night. 
that is simply why Superman and Lois does not have the viewers that the Flash, Supergirl and Arrow did in their head. Uh, even Legends of Tomorrow and Batwoman had more than Superman and Lois in its head. Uh, but we're not in those headaches anymore. The fact is, Superman and Lois is doing incredibly well in today's generation. And we just have to accept that those kind of viewers aren't, aren't watching TV anymore. But does that mean the show's a flop? Absolutely not. I just It just hasn't caught on to Arrowverse fans in the way that the original Arrowverse shows did. But it's still uber successful and it will still lead the charge for the next generation. I'm going to take this down a different road than talking about like where the spinoffs are going because you made an interesting point, Michael, which is like people are not watching uh, television on the night up anymore. Um, and I feel so the fans who held over from the OG Arrowverse, um, they remember when the shows used to get millions of viewers and it was it was um appointment television appointment television doesn't exactly exist anymore outside of uh certain shows it is what it is so what is the measure of success then when it comes to dc tv on the cw if we're not measuring by um same day viewing or even um the streaming afterward like the numbers are not going to be what they were with the flash Mm -hmm. that that time is over that doesn't mean that Superman and Lois is uh, less successful um, than The Flash. It's not really fair to compare the two because one has is on their eighth season. The other is still making its way through season two, which is why I'm one of the people that was not saying Superman and Lois is better than The Flash because it hasn't even finished its second season. Um, people have argued with me about it. We just, we just can have different opinions. Um, but that doesn't mean that Superman and Lois isn't the future of DCTV on the CW. They clearly are. Um, mm. And if that is the case, especially in, in, in um, this time where the CW could potentially be sold to another network, I wonder what the measure, not another network, to um, Nexstar. I wonder what the measure of success for superhero shows is going to be uh, if ratings um, come into question or come into play. And if that's the case, will we just branch break away from spinoffs entirely. I mean, there's Justice You that is in development and I am excited for what that show could potentially be if it does get picked up um, for pilot or a series order. But it makes sense that it would be done through Superman and Lois so they still could do an interconnected um, DCTV universe on the CW and continue to branch away from the Flash and Batwoman and Legends of Tomorrow by making a choice to say it's another Earth or that that whole timeline got erased for whatever reason and we are in we are in a new um, era and this is what it is. Everything else from here is going to be, the jumping point is going to be Superman and Lois. Man, if that is the case, um, I just... I'm drawing a blank on what the what the, our future is going to be then with the Arrowverse. Will it be the Arrowverse or will it be the Superverse? Will it be a verse mm-hmm. at all? <laughs> it's always been that interesting conversation of being someone who considered myself an international fan of American TV. I've had this viewpoint for a very long time and I'm very glad that the rest of the world is catching up. And I think we have streaming to thank for that and that an incredible show regardless of what country it's produced in, if it's successful worldwide, its future should not be negotiated by one TV network in its home uh, region or area. I get why it's, that was the way it was, but we're moving into an age where, the sh- where television is heavily consumed and yet television is not watched on the night 
by as many people. It's such an unusual era, but we do have streaming to thank for it. And yes, that might result in declining viewing figures on the night, but it has resulted in a wider demand for television around the world. And to highlight how successful Superman at Lois is, the pilot episode debuted to 1.7 million viewers on the CW in the US. That is the lowest Arrowverse pilot, but it's still far more watched than anything on the network in recent memory. However, a year later, almost a year, almost a year later, the pilot of Superman at Lois finally made its UK debut on BBC One on a Saturday night, and it drew 2.7 million viewers. Now, a show that is almost a year old, heavily demanded. If you type in Superman at Lois on Google, Superman at Lois UK release set was one of the most searched options. So a show that's almost a year old, that was out there, that is part of a franchise that's no longer considered successful, managed to get more or over a million more viewers in the, in the UK almost a year later. Does that not highlight demand for, to you? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's The CW is not the be-all and end-all for Warner Brothers and DCTV. Both of those things are bigger than the CW. And I do think, I'm not, that's not a shade on the CW. I do think the CW itself is well aware of that, which is why DCTV will continue to remain on it, regardless of how it performs on the night. We say that like it's not performing well. DCTV is still among the most watched things on the CW. But if it, if it, if there comes a day when the CW gets its teen reputation back and it starts producing heavily watched teen dramas, it will still keep the superhero shows around simply because of how lucrative they are worldwide. And both the fact that show, uh, both the fact that it shows perform well on Netflix and how well Superman at Lois performed almost a year later in the UK highlights that people outside of the US want these programs. People outside of the US will tune into these programs. So regardless of whether you're a superhero or not, if that show was successful worldwide, the one TV network should not have say over its future. And I do think the CW is aware of that, which is why it's continuing to produce DC TV going forward. And I do see your point. I do think if uh, just as you wants to work, maybe it would be best to phrase it like, or um, position it like a new Arrowverse show, even though it has ties to the original Arrowverse. John Deggle is going to lead it. There are going to be young superheroes in it who we've never seen before. And it seems to be doing away with the whole Green Lantern story. Or maybe they're just putting it on the back burner that we thought John Diggle was going to have. But John Diggle also appeared in an episode of Superman at Lois last season, which is the show's only connection to the wider Arrowverse. So you could use that as a jumping ground to spin off just as you if you want the Superman at Lois fans to tune into it. There is no doubt that the OG Arrowverse fans will tune into it. But if you want want it to help it graduate, maybe it'll be the transitional show that helps the OG Arrowverse transition into the new Arrowverse, like it walks the line between both worlds. Maybe it'll have a bigger budget. Maybe it'll be one of the more, I don't want to say cheaper, but we know that those shows are slightly cheaper. Maybe it'll be one of those. We don't know. But either way, because John Diggle appeared on Superman at Lois, there is enough of a connection there to make it work. And I just said about how successful Superman at Lois is on a global standpoint. 
according to the uh, president of HBO Max. All of the CW shows perform well on HBO Max as well. So there are multiple, multiple factors to highlight how successful that show is. And I don't want it to get lost on anyone that just because the ratings are lower than what the OG Arrowverse was, that the show is not successful. It's incredibly successful. And it's it's doing things at a time when people are watching things on TV less and it's still managing to be among the most watched, two most watched shows on the network. So I do think if they want the OG Arrowverse to exist, maybe writing off Superman at Lois' success is the way to make that happen. I think so too. And that, that circles back to Batwoman and Legends of Tomorrow and even The Flash. That means that they will try to sort of shuffle them to the side to make room for the new kids on the block. Um, and it's weird to be in this position with the CW in terms of where they might be going forward when it comes to DCTV, because in some ways it kind of feels like they want to forget about what came before in order to focus on what they now have. Like Superman and Lois is it. That is the show. That is what they're focusing on. And I just don't think that means that Batwoman in Legends of Tomorrow needs to be caught in the backdraft because just because it those two shows are campy and they they provide different things to the audience than Superman and Lois does doesn't mean that they should be forgotten about or taken off air or canceled at least final season them like mm. they um there's a one pod episode Michael you had mentioned the a need for respect and I think there should be respect for the OG Arrowverse shows that have made have pave the way for the new Arrowverse if it's continued to be called the Arrowverse. All I know is we're not calling it the CW-verse. No. So I'm open to the Superverse. I will say that. But um, I just at least final season them. That's like the only thing I ask. I just really think it would be disrespectful to cancel them as if, well, they're, they're not making up with the ratings that the other shows did. I said, yes, but you are in the news because of Batwoman, you're in the news because of Legends of Tomorrow. It isn't just The Flash. As much as I love The Flash, as much as it's the heart of the Arrowverse, and to me always has been, even though it is called the Arrowverse, um, that doesn't mean that the supporting shows have not uh, pulled their weight or brought in eyes to to the network. And I think that they should, if they're going to be taken off air, they should be given the send off that they deserve. Um, and that for their writing teams and the cast and crew should be given the opportunity to complete the stories before we move forward into the new era. That's absolutely true. And like nobody stands on top of a mountain without somebody holding them up. Those shows have been there quietly doing their thing, keeping the Arrowverse alive for so long so that other shows like The Flash could thrive. Don't get me wrong, those shows would thrive without them. But the universe, the tight, concise universe that has been produced over these last couple of years owes a great deal of debt to both of those little shows that could. They've been literally working away under the surface and it would absolutely be disrespectful not to give them the conclusions they deserve. I do feel like the Batwoman writing team have written it in a sense that they could go out, they'd be happy with the ending they gave us. Batwoman had a 90% ending. However, they left us with that little tag at the end that suggests there is more story to tell. And had that not happened, I would be okay from a story standpoint for Batwoman closing. But, but I'm a fan. I adore that show. It has gotten gotten better with each season. And for it to continue to do that, it's at its best now. I don't want to say goodbye to it right now. I think there is so much more story to tell. A one nice little almost neat end doesn't make up for the stories that we could have had instead. So I would like Batwoman to continue. Retweet. Exactly. I'll do I retweet myself as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> Legends left with a big, huge, massive cliffhanger. 
And what really struck me was they introduced a DC character, Booster Gold, but, and that really bothers me because it's the first main DC character they've introduced in a very long time. And the report came out the day afterwards in that it literally said, if Legends gets renewed for a season eight, this character will be a series regular. I've never seen that before for the Arrowverse shows because it's never had that if. It's never had that before. And that struck me. I was like, well, what kind of era are we moving into? And I don't know if I want to live in it. I don't like that at all. Um, and it was a big, massive cliffhanger featuring a DC character that people have wanted to see for a very long time. To end it there would be so disrespectful because it's finally do it's finally bringing in more DC characters. But on the other hand, and we didn't fall in love with these characters for eight years, nearly eight years, for the, them to just kill the show with with such an open ended cliffhanger. We've passed the era. Of course, shows will maybe only last one season, two seasons, and in some cases, three seasons when they're just the pull, the plug is pulled on them, and that's that. Legends has left those days long in the past. Like uh, at this stage, it deserves the respect of going out on a short, even a shorter season. At the end of the day, both those shows have given a lot to fans, and there are they are inherently CW. They, they they've got those CW fans. They're lighthearted. They're campy. They also make huge strides in terms of representation, which is what the network's all about. And I'm not saying this new wave of DC TV won't do the same, but the CW shouldn't turn its back on the kind of programming that got it to the stage in the first place just so that it can allow this new era to thrive. There is room on the CW for both of them. So to cut Batwoman at Legends out so 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 disrespectfully would be horrible. So I at the worst case scenario is I'm champion in final seasons for both, but I still think both of them have a little bit more life left in them. I do too. I do too, especially because so Booster Girl does show up, at least his image does, in mm-hmm. um, an f- episode of The Flash. My concern is if Legends of Tomorrow um, is cancelled, which I even hate saying that as a sentence, that what they'll try to do is if they had any storyline for him that they wanted to do, they'll just try to do it on The Flash the same way they did for Mia um, when Green um, when the Canaries didn't go forward. And I just really do not want them to do that. Like you made a very interconnected universe as such that interconnected universe, if it's going to go away in the way that we know it has to be finalized in a way that makes sense for all the tie-ins that you did on the other shows. Like you spent so much time being able to interconnect them. If you're going to unravel them so that we have one straight like timeline um, and, and series of events, then you need to do it in a way that is satisfying. Not only for the writers, but also for the fans who've invested in the storylines and want to keep um, keep track of how characters have changed and developed and who knows who and what storylines affect what. And can I see the conclusion of someone's story or are you going to tell me it's not worth being told? Because if you're saying it's not worth being told, then why did you lay the groundwork there? Exactly. And those shows have. They've introduced so many lovable characters and uh, not just the title character in Batwoman. It's such like a unique, lo- a lovely little like group of people. And the same with Legends. We've, we've fallen in love with all of these heroes, not just the main characters. So it's, it, 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 I, I'm, I'm not, I wasn't happy with what they did with Green Arrow and the Canaries and bringing back just Mia to, to, but then they didn't even wrap up her story. They left it more wide open than ever. And we met her now because we know Kat's going to appear in Walker Independence that story might not get a chance to be wrapped up. But on, so, but, but to use that argument then here for Legends, for example, or Batwoman, 
I don't want those shows cancelled and then you bring back the lead characters to tie up their story because it's not just the lead characters in Impact here. There are many characters in that show and they all deserve the chance to get to wrap up their stories. The Arrowverse is such a vast place and so many of its supporting characters are more, are more or equally as popular as the lead characters. So it wouldn't be right to pull all of them from us at once and then just tie up somebody else's story on a different show. Those shows, those stories, those outcasts and misfits, as Legends likes to call them, we've fallen in love with all of them and they all deserve the chance to wrap up their stories. So give them that one last shot to do that. Don't, don't take them from us just so you can build something new. Especially when it doesn't seem that there's room in the schedule to be taking the shows off like this. Um, like we, there are three pilots currently. It's Gotham Knights, Walker Independence, and the Winchesters. That's only three shows. You take off um, Batwoman and Legends of Tomorrow. Like, okay, so that doesn't mean you're going to put the two of the three pilots on order. And that's what we're going to see in the fall. Like, You've already, like not you've already alienated two fan bases if you do that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they are going to be very loud and vocal. There's going to be, I can so see if Batwoman gets canceled or that ends up tomorrow gets canceled or both that there's going to be a storm to save it or at least get them moved to HBO Max. But I don't want the carryover to be that if they get canceled on the CW, we'll just shuffle them over to HBO Max again. Sounds disrespectful. <laughs> like, just let them finish on the network that they aired on. Um, and especially because uh, you could bring Katie Cassidy into Justice U, and you can still expand out from there instead of giving letting the OG Airverse down um, by bringing some of those storylines into her point of view in that show if you allowed her to be the Laurel Lance of Justice U. <laughs> Yeah, that would be a nice little way because we talked about how just as you could, it'll walk, it could walk the line between both. Uh, it would be really cool to see it, uh, an, an Arrowverse show that very well could work in the old and the original way that cheaper shows. It could definitely work with that presentation. They know how to make those shows. They could very easily make another one. But on the other hand, it would be cool to see that story and some of those original Arrowverse characters in a show with the presentation of Superman at Lois. That would be really cool. The big budget, the uh, the beautifully shot cinematography, the 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 deeper storylines. It would be really cool to see something like that. And bringing in another character, like maybe like Katie Cassidy's Laurel, would be a nice way of setting up that new era because we wanted like a Young Justice show from the Arrowverse for so long. And even though that's not exactly what Justice U is, it does feel like the next step. We talked about how the CW is kind of graduating out of teen dramas and moving into more like college-led stuff. And that's what that's what Just As You kind of is. So fair enough, have John Diggle like train them with how to use their powers and whatnot. But if you remember, the Young Justice animated series had the Black Canary train these characters because the Black Canary is the Justice League's greatest fighter. So they could very easily do something here with something similar with Just As You by bringing in Katie Cassidy's Black Canary to be like the, the warden, so to speak, the one who trains them in all the, the combat, teaches them how to um, like fight in a situation while maybe while John Diggle teaches them how to use their powers. That would be a really interesting dynamic because John Diggle doesn't do powers. He can't cope with powers. You know, he's sick every time Barry speeds him around the place. So that would be an interesting dynamic. And it would be really cool if you had the two leads from Arrow that weren't the lead character return to lead their own show and it would it would help them wrap up some loose ends from green arrow and the canaries while also bringing the arrowverse into the next era maybe to match superman at lois things like that would be really cool i think this universe we've talked about its best days being behind it but if you 
drop the, the idea of the ratings, drop the idea of what the original shows were, and just look at all the characters at your use here. There could be a very exciting future for the Arrowverse ahead, and I just hope the CW realizes that and doesn't always say, say it doesn't always say stock, stay stuck to the same uh, format, doesn't always stay stuck to the idea of having to get great ratings on the night. Play around with these characters because the DC universe is incredible, and both the DC comic book characters and some of the Arrowverse characters introduced in the past, merging them together for a sequence of shows in the future. Just Anything could happen, and I hope they realize that. But before that anything happens, I hope the OG shows get the chance to buy that that they deserve because it's a very exciting time, and I don't want that tainted by the loss of some shows that deserve to still be around. I don't want that either, especially because you could pull the OG Arrowverse into the new future. Like, exactly. obviously, the shows still have to go off air. They are getting older, except for Batwoman. Like, it's only season four. Like, chill. Let her continue. But as far as like the Flash and Legends of Tomorrow, let them go off gracefully. And then, uh, like, leave the door open for those characters to appear in the new Arrowverse. Um, and that'd be so exciting for OG fans as a way not to alienate the OG fan base and still pull people in who may have overlooked those shows because they're on the CW. I know a lot of this has to do with people going, oh, it's on the CW. I know it's trash. It's like, have you watched a few minutes? Have you watched an episode? (laughs) Um, So like if we're enticing people through Superman and Lois and uh, giving new opportunities, like a show like Naomi, which like you mentioned is slower and is, um, wasn't the show people expected Mm -hmm. Uh, because it is more of a teen drama with superpowers than it is a superhero show though to be fair superman and lois so it does have a lot of action sequences feels a lot like a family drama that happens to be led by a superhero and that is what makes it work so if we're going to be doing that if it's this new era don't close the door to the og Arrowverse. like just open the door for those characters to come into this new this I guess new shinier version, I guess um, less poppy, more dramatic uh, that we have now. Um, But if they're going to do that, they also need to do uh, shows with more well-known characters. Uh, I think you can Mm -hmm. do your niche, um, which I think Naomi and and Sarah kind of are. And then you need to do shows with characters that people actually know. That way there's a balance of the type of stories that you're telling. Exactly. And that's it. We've talked about how them getting bolder and how the DC universe is a very exciting place and how they're trying different things. out. That's all well and good, but you only need to look at how successful Superman at Lois has been to see how relying on those foundational heroes of the DC universe is still incredibly successful. Yes, not many people, as many people are watching on the night as they did during the days of the Flash and Arrow because they were unknown at the time. They, they were like a, a breakout kind of shows and more people were watching TV live. But Superman at Lois has been incredibly successful. So could you imagine how successful a Batman show might be on the CW if it was done in the same kind of vein? as? Uh, so do I. But we've wanted it for so long. Could you imagine how successful that would be if it was done in the same vein as Superman at Lois? And... It's a shame to think that might never happen, but if it doesn't happen, there are still so many other well-known DC heroes that could happen with, so many other well-known DC heroes that deserve their own TV series. Wonder Woman is an example. Of course, now we have the movie, so there's less of a conversation about the need for a Wonder Woman TV series. But since Wonder Woman's roots were in TV, the Linda Carter series was one of the first ever superhero TV shows and female-led superhero TV shows. It would be so cool to bring the character back to TV. We nearly had something similar in the Wonder Girl series, 
that would have went for a different, uh, it would have been a different Wonder Girl. It wouldn't have been the same one. It would, this character was only recently introduced in the comics as well. And it would have been major step for diversity as well. But around the time that Green Arrow and the Canaries and Painkiller didn't go ahead, the CW also decided to pull the plug on the Wonder Girl pilot, which was such a shame because that would have been a way of introducing a new character, but also using an established name. Wonder Girl is well known, even if this version of Wonder Girl was new. So maybe that would have been a way of connecting the dots between the old and the new. Maybe it would have been incredibly successful. We'll never know. But I just think that might have been a risk worth taking. Just like maybe as we go further into the future of the Arrowverse, adapting old heroes, but with new stories in the way that Superman at Lois did, would be an incredible way of keeping the Arrowverse alive and bringing it into that new era that they want to. That'd be really fun. But since you mentioned both Wonder Woman and Batman, I'm like, will we ever have the Trinity? Even for like a moment? Probably not. But like, that's like a, that's a dream of all dreams. But I would like some established connections at some point. You know what would be fun? Aquaman. Mm. It'd be really, really fun to have an Aquaman show on the CW, especially because they keep talking about Atlantis anyway um, on on The Flash. Though they've in recent years, they've stopped talking about it. So bring it back. (laughs) Plant the seeds. (laughs) Make those references mean something. Uh, Exactly. Yeah, because we almost we nearly did have an Aquaman series on the WB back in the day. So it would be kind of like pulling it back around and like uh, circling back to give us and giving us what how this universe nearly started. I'm not sure it would have been as successful because this was pre Arrowverse, but it would have been, it would be really nice to see what an Aquaman Arrowverse series looks like. That's the most exciting thing for me. Taking these established DC heroes and setting them in the Arrowverse. I really want to see what these versions of the characters look like. And the window for that may have may have been opened and closed a long time ago. But it doesn't mean they can't try it now, especially since they're in this whole like experimental new era where they're trying new things. Exactly. Exactly. So, hey, CW, think about it. Like, <laughs> consider consider what we've been saying this whole pod. Um, but I just, how would you feel, Michael, if the Arrowverse like completely just ended? Not like it moves on with Superman and Lois. I mean, like they decide Superman and Lois is adjacently Arrowverse, but we're closing the chapter on the Arrowverse and everything moving forward will either be affected by Superman and Lois or it'll be um, an entirely different universe and they will never interact. The obsessed collector in me would be like, yes, I can finally own all of the Arrowverse on DVD and Blu-ray and like hold it together, even though that's probably too many seasons to hold. The other version of me, the main version of me, literally would be so upset because I don't think I'd be having this conversation. I don't think I'd be part of this podcast. I don't think I'd be in the line of work that I am now if it weren't for the Arrowverse. My, uh, I've always been a comic book fan. I've always been a DC fan. I've always been a Marvel fan too. That doesn't, that's not part of the point. Um, but I wouldn't be here if it weren't for the Arrowverse. Because I you see, you see gr- growing up's a bit maybe I, I, outside the box because I was quite like well past my teenage years by the time these shows started. But being part of that world uh, for, at such a young age and like uh, acknowledging and adoring the superhero renaissance we saw on TV, the kid in me could never have been happier because I grew up watching reruns. I'm not that old. Reruns of Batman 66 <laughs> at Wonder Woman 77. I grew up watching them. So to, to finally reach your adult years and see everything you loved as a kid blossom on screen into this shared universe has just been 
exhilarating and we would we wouldn't have one division we wouldn't have all the marvel shows we wouldn't have the boys we wouldn't have any other dc or superhero show if it weren't for dc tv so the thought of that universe yes it got a bit soapy but hey we like soaps the idea of this like universe superhero universe soap can't be world not existing anymore not telling any new stories that would be heartbreaking to me because we owe this era so much i personally owe this era so much but the superhero genre owes this era so much so the thought of it not existing anymore would be terrible i don't want that i don't want that either i'm sorry i'm getting a little teary <laughs> <laughs> and only because the cathartic that you're ever spending It'd be very sad for me as well. I've always, like you, have always loved superheroes. I've always loved superhero television. Though back um, when we were growing up, it was mostly animated series on TV mm-hmm. and everything else. If it had, um, if it was going to be on screen, it was going to be the big screen. And so mm-hmm. seeing it on the small screen in this interconnected universe with all these different characters um, has meant so much to me. Like it's, it's, they're unlike you. It's not like. I'm not a writer because of those shows, but they have informed my journey as a writer mm-hmm. and there things do come to an end, but I think in this case, shouldn't it just come to an expansion? Like shouldn't like we can move into a, a new version without completely closing the door on what came before. And I think if they do uh, decide to do that, it would be, I'm looking for the right word um, and not getting emotional. <laughs> it would be, um, I think it'd be a mistake. I, I think that it would be a disservice to what came before. Because um, in some ways it's like saying what established all the superhero television that we have today is not good enough because we've moved into a new era and the the shows that we're creating now have a more, um, buzzy, award-winning quality to them and the fun that came before this and, and the, um, the thing that brought a smile to your face uh, just doesn't count. And it's like, but it does count. Like, do you know how many young comic book fans and superhero fans started because of the Airverse? Like, do you know how many people who didn't, like when the children didn't know about The Flash until they watched Grant Gustin? Or, um, they knew nothing about Arrow until the Green Arrow until they watched Arrow. Like there is a reason that there are some like teenagers bouncing around wanting to be um, TV writers because they want to write superhero television. And this is because of the Arrowverse. Like, I just think if we're gonna, it should have the respect that it deserves at all times, always, even if in some cases the seasons have deteriorated. But that happens with television in general. It doesn't change the fact that TV history in terms of superhero television owes a lot of um, where it is now to the CW shows. In some respect, should we put on their name? And I know for a fact, I'm gonna cry when the flash goes off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, um, and if they do decide to close the door on the, the, the OG Arrowverse entirely without sort of bringing it um, forward with the rest of uh, superhero television on CW, I'm gonna be in my feelings about it. It is what it is. Um, I just, just think it's not, it'd be a mistake to not honor what they did before. I totally agree. And I feel like the superhero genre owes a lot to network TV, which is a pretty funny thing to say to around this act because we've been talking about how network TV and watching TV on the night is on its way out. But at the end of the day, 
streaming doesn't have the same quality that TV does because you get to choose what you watch. And a lot of people, a lot of young people with no doubt afflict on the Arrowverse shows, on television, fallen in love with what they'd seen and had those shows been streaming or streaming quality even, maybe they wouldn't have appealed to them in the same way that they did. So we owe a lot coming from the era of soaps being on television every night, coming from the era of watching sporting events and award ceremonies on the night, coming from the era of watching procedurals on the night. I just can't imagine that the superhero era would be what it is today without network quality television bringing superheroes back. So the fact is, as long as the CW remains a network TV channel, it should never turn its back on the network eh? shows that it brought into existence to begin with and we owe so much to what the Arrowverse was we shouldn't forget what it is and that is a television juggernaut don't try to change that by losing yourself don't try to change that by evolving too much and the ones that you have already taken a risk with that have paid off that's phenomenal fair play to you for trying to change and evolve with the times because at the end of the day that's what's going to need to happen but as long as network television exists network television, superhero shows should exist. Applause. I don't know if my mic is catching that, but it's a round of applause, y'all. It's just, it just truly is. Okay, so, you know, we end every pod with some positivity. Um, and this time we are giving a shout out to Javicia Leslie and her portrayal of Ryan Wilder on Batwoman. Can I just say, she's the reason why I turned on the television. <laughs> like, I am... Um, um, I just, she's so light and funny and snarky in the role while also giving you the vulnerability that is necessary for Ryan uh, without, you know, dragging you, dragging the story down, down too much. Because there is a, there's a darkness to things that happen in Gotham. It just is what it is. That is, that is how um, the Bat universe sort of functions. But I've just loved watching her take dark moments and spin them on the, uh, the head, watching her be the leader of the team bat um, and all the fun, her line deliveries. I just think she's amazing as Ryan Wilder and as Batwoman. I'm so, so happy that she stepped into the role and I've won a Batwoman season four. Uh, I retweet everything you just said. Um, I remember being concerned when the character was described as being cheery or lighthearted because usually when we, we like our Batman stuff dark and Batwoman season one was quite grim in all senses of the word. So you always wonder what's a lighthearted character going to look like. And my goodness, she was the breath of fresh air that that show needed because I feel like ever since Javicia popped up as Ryan Wilder, the, the show has just come to life. She's such a lovable character. She's such an engaging character. And I sometimes struggle with Batwoman season one in terms of engagement with the characters. She's such an engaging character. And the way that she brings such a lightness and a warmth to such a dark show, that's what I love about the show. It does have the somewhat campy element, but like it's not campy in the way that Batman 66 was. It is very dark and it uses that campiness to create some very sadistic characters, but she just adds this like light to it. And it's just so much fun. You, you get completely connected to the character at the start of every episode and you're just championing her journey as Batwoman. And to me, she is Batwoman now. She is for a character to come in 
into such an established universe so late in the game, never, not never mind so late in a show, but so late in the game of an established universe and to already to, to be part of your top five characters. It's just a testament to both Javicia Leslie's acting and the quality of the writing when it comes to Ryan Wilder. And that story, I've said it in tweets, I've said it here before, that story to me is just getting started not end that. So I can't, I hope, I'm going to hope and manifest that we see season four because I can't wait to see what it could be. Yes. Hashtag renew Batwoman. Yes. Let us have the warmth, the lightness, the fun, and yes, even the darkness that this show brings and that Javicia Leslie leads. Definitely. It's what she, it's what the show, and it's what the fans deserve. Yes, yes. So that is it for us this week. We will see you next Monday when Reed is back. Uh, Yes. So we're the CW Spiral. I'm Sabrina. I'm Michael. See y'all.